Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. Heaven invade, we seek, we seek your presence, God. We come boldly, we come thirsty. You are all we seek. Your kingdom, your righteousness, your hope, your peace, your joy, your Holy Spirit. Come now, come strong, linger long. Amen. As a younger child, I was fortunate. I was formed in idyllic circumstances my first several years. I had a mom and a dad, a brother and a sister. I had a stable home. Unlike Dina's uh, rearing, I we lacked for nothing. I lived in a peaceful, safe neighborhood in an old-timey small town in a southwestern Montana, a beautiful area that's rural and gorgeous. And, you know, but by age eight, our family began to deteriorate deteriorate and my life began to shift by age 13 things had become quite shaky and I unknowingly and unwittingly began taking on responsibilities in my family that no kid ever should have to and then it happened it was a but suddenly didn't ask for it had no idea it was coming happened in a place and under circumstances that make no rational sense, and Jesus crashed into my life. I had a radical encounter and a life-changing conversion experience. Did I then follow Him, evangelize, become a Jesus freak? Nope. In fact, throughout my teenage and young adult years, you would hardly confuse me with a disciple of Christ. But what did happen and never left me was an unending deposit of hope. And an undying ember of peace. Did I... Let's just fast forward. By age 25, I had experienced more of the world success and the good things of life and more responsibility than any person that age ever should have. However, I had also experienced more tragedy and more loss than seems even factually possible. I ended up in an extremely dark place, alone, lying down, face down, in the muck, in the back of a cave, in the cave, in the back of a cave. I'm kind of reflecting on that time, that several year period. That really was the wreckage of my life. Mentally, emotionally, there was no way out. And yet somehow there remained enough of that hope from 12 years prior 
and that barely flickering ember of peace. So I belly crawled toward it. And by age 30, I was pretty firmly back on my feet and on the quest for more. Mind you, my behavior and my habits it would have been hard for you to confuse me with a Christian. I wasn't exactly acting right, talking right, but I was on a quest. Eventually, God said that I might have even grown and matured to the point where I could at least barely qualify as a husband. Maybe had enough husband material, and he gave me this beautiful woman. By age 38, I was married and had inherited a family. I had not had a family for many, many years. By the time I hit age 47, Sherry and I had experienced more of the ups and downs of life and loss than any married couple, let alone one in that young a marriage, should ever have to face. Then and since, there continue to be three testimonies of Jesus. The one in my wife's life, the testimony of Jesus in Sherry, the testimony of Jesus in John, and the testimony of Jesus in a two-as-one marriage. Suffice it to say, we could have been torn apart, we could have become addicted, and worse. What spelled the difference? And somehow continues to Something inside us. Hope. Peace. Sometimes flickering. Sometimes throbbing. Always there. You see, hope is a person. Hope has a name. So let's go tell it on the mountain. Let's speak it over ourselves and our neighbors. To the extent that you're physically able to, please rise. Read aloud these next scriptures. There will be five screens. These scriptures are short and easy. Declare them over yourselves. Declare them over your family. Declare them over your neighbor in this room. Ready? Let's go with slide number two. This is something that God said to the Hebrews and to us. Ready, read. God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more. Yes. The next two verses. I is the 
Let's pause there. Has anybody ever seen the old Batman TV shows? Or those movies where they throw the three-pronged anchor across the span and it hooks on something and they have no idea if it's going to work, but then they cross on the rope, right? That's, that's the picture I get. Throwing our hope into the mercy seat, into the, into the inner courts, into the very heart of Jesus. All right, next verses. This is not the Hebrews any longer. This is from Uncle Peter. Yes. Yes. Is that good news? What if that's the absolute, undeniable, unquenchable truth? Okay, maybe we should hear from another uncle. Let's hear from Uncle Paul. Poetry. And I didn't put that exclamation point there. It's in the Bible. <coughs> Next slide, please. Yet again from Uncle Paul. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak this blessing over some neighbor of yours in this room. Read this over and to and into Tell someone, direct someone lovingly to do this thing, Colossians 3.15. Ready? Read. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the Anointed One who called you to peace as a part of His body. Amen. Amen. And as I noted there, that <laughs> we become umpires of peace. We are umpires of peace. That's what the original language says. You may be seated. Good job. Good job. You know, the first two chapters of the Bible, the very first two, Genesis 1 and 2, and the very last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, no sin is in the earth. In Genesis 1 and 2, sin has not entered the earth yet. And in in uh, Revelation 21 and 22, sin has been done away with completely and the new Jerusalem is on the earth. Right? And all those chapters in between, though between those two bookends is all about the revelation of Jesus the Christ, what has been done about sin and what is being done about the world in which we live. So there is a time there was a time, and there is a time coming when there is no sin, no devil rule, no entropy, no death, no sickness, no hate, no destruction, no war, no violence, nor abuse, nor de de neglect or decay of any kind. There is a time of peace. 
That's what peace is. It's, it's not the absence of violence. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not just getting along. It's wholeness and completion, perfection. Shalom. Irene. Now, we have already seen and declared that hope is a person. Do you see how we can go get, soak up, suck up, bring in hope, 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 hope is in Christ. Let's talk about peace. Both the prophet Micah and the prophet Isaiah prophesied peace would be a person. Micah 5, 5, and he shall be their peace. Isaiah 53, 5, by the very punishment he will take on the cross, he will be their peace. Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. So in essence, peace is not a what? Peace is not a thing. Peace is not a goal, a philosophy, a mental construct, or even a set of disciplines. Peace is a who. Born again, born anew, and afresh from above daily. This is our internal existence today. Hope that cannot be killed. Peace that cannot be shaken. It's carried in us. Its name, his name, is Jesus. There is now access to heaven. Heaven came to earth. John 14, my peace, Jesus says, I leave with you. Matthew 10, pick your peace back up. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Blessed are the peace. The big difference here. Blessed are the peace. Makers, not peacekeepers. Peacemakers. The peace planters, the peace unfurlers, the peace manifestors. For they are the children of God and shall be known as such. I didn't make that up. God told us, tells us. So you and I, we often think of our peace being interrupted or disrupted or ruptured or or blown up by events or disturbed by events or by circumstances or by conditions. We can't wait for the... Have you ever been here? Jeez, I can't, just can't wait for the world to stop just for a minute so I can have some peace. Right? See, that's flying upside down. That's flying upside down. The world around us is acting completely crazy, and that's normal. That's just exactly how the world is supposed to act. Because we are between Genesis chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 21. Crazy is on the earth. Crazy is the earth. Crazy is the world and the world systems. Otherwise, why would we need the peacemakers? We not only can, we actually have the ability and the authority and the power to burst into that, to rupture that, to interrupt that, to disrupt that, and erupt the very 
presence of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you what's been going on. This pertains directly to Advent. Sneak preview. Advent is a season of expectant waiting. You see, we've been seduced by an idolatry that deceives us into thinking that God is mostly found in the big and loud, when in fact, God is almost never found in the big and loud. The ways of God are predominantly small and quiet. The the ways of God are about as loud as seed falling on the ground or bread rising in an oven. The ways of God are almost never found in the shouts of the crowd. The ways of God are more often found in trickling tears and whispered prayers. We want God to do a big thing while God is planning to do a small thing. We are impressed by the big and loud. God is not. We are in a hurry. God is not. We want God to act fast, but God's speed is almost always slow. So we are waiting for God to act, but I would suggest that we are not so much waiting for God to act as we are waiting to become contemplative enough to discern what God is doing. Advent is that. God is always acting because God is always loving his creation. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are always inviting us into their house of love. But when we are consumed by anger, harried by anxiety, balled up by haste, driven by impatience, we are blind and deaf to what God is actually doing in the present moment. When God broke into history decisively through incarnating Jesus, bringing Jesus to the earth, who discerned it? Who figured it out? Not the Pharisees, the religious leaders, whose religious movement was loudly predicting that God was about to act. Not the scribes, not the priests, who were the professional experts in prophetic scripture. Not the commercial, the political, or the civic leaders who were the very ones designated to be the agents of change. And certainly not the Roman conquerors, occupiers, and oppressors under whose reign of sick and twisted utter domination and terror God's chosen people suffered in utter powerlessness and cruel oppression. Nope. Instead, it was pagan stargazers. Peasant shepherds who discerned what God was doing. They were not the experts. They were not the political leaders. They were not the military commanders, the Republicans, the Democrats, the Trumpites or the Bidenites, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers or the Woke and the Antifa. They were not the reactionaries at the loud center of religious noise or the silent edges of contemplative 
thought, without focus, or the TV prophets. They were, in fact, the silent, contemplative, expectantly waiting, pulling on, looking for, humbly seeking after the face of the Lord, the coming of the Christ. So, I'm going to license something this Christmas season. I'm going to give you permission. Gazing at stars and keeping watch by night are profound metaphors for the God-peace kind of life. To most people, it would appear that the three wise men and the shepherds were doing nothing of significance in their nighttime vigils, but they were the ones who were able to discern what God was doing. It was contemplative stargazers and shepherds, having learned how to wait in silence, who found their way to Bethlehem. Didn't they? They were the ones who discerned what God was doing in the seemingly ordinary event of a young woman giving birth in a crude, out-of-the-way place. Here's the whole point. Accessing the flow, the wind, the current of God, waiting for God to act, only seems like waiting for God to act. Because God is always acting. Because God is always loving the world, and he is always giving birth to something. Waiting for God to act is actually waiting for your soul to become quiet enough and contemplative enough to discern what God is doing in the obscure and forgotten corners, far from the corridors of power, or wherever you think or I think the action is. You and I want God to act in the imperial capital of Washington, D.C., or Carson City, or Yarrington, (laughs) but... God first acts in a stable on the edge of Bethlehem. You and I want God to act in halls of power and the minds of the powerful. But God first acts in the quiet corner of your own living room. You and I want God to act in the paths and the byways of the world's conditions and in our circumstances and in our emotions. But God first acts in the untrodden corridors of our minds, of your mind. So let me say this to you quite confidently. God is about to act. God is about to act in your life and in our world. But if you want to discern the actions of God, you must first learn to wait in quiet contemplation before you can become an activist for Christ. You must first become a contemplative, otherwise you'll just be a reactivist. And reactivists merely recycle anger and keep the world an angry place. Jesus was was a contemplative activist. He was never a reactivist. So, this morning I posted a handout on the JC Family Connection page. 101 Bible verses, all about peace. 
that incorporate hope. Download it. Read the verses. Don't stop there. Meditate on them. Ask Holy Spirit how they apply to your mind, your situation, your current you. Unleash God even more in the corridors of your mind. Speak those verses aloud. Play them aloud using an audio Bible, if you'd like. Speak them over yourself. Speak them over your family. Over those you care about who are facing chaos. Or are troubled by the chaos others are going through. As I said earlier, four weeks from now, it will be 2023. Seize the remaining three weeks of Advent and the remaining four weeks of 2022. Begin to prepare for 2023 in the middle of all that's going on. Yeah. Wait. Wait for the sake of waiting. Expect. Ask Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me? Really, God, what what would you like me to hear? What is your direction for me for 2023? Might you have a word that could be my key word for the coming year? Or maybe it's two words. In my case, it's usually three. Might you have a phrase for me that is my guidance for all that I'm about to face in the chaos of 2023, for it will be no less of a chaotic year. More about that later. In other words, Holy Spirit, what are your key words for me to center on in the coming year? And just like that uncomfortable, awkward 20-second silence, Wait in your car, in your bathroom, in your living room, in your bed at night or in the morning, or go gaze at stars or water. He's right here. He wants you to know that and he wants you to know what he thinks of you and what he'd like you to do. How he'd like you to grow. The things that he absolutely loves about you and he wishes to nurture. And the things that, you know, we could do a little better than that, my son, my daughter, my sister, my brother. Here are the things I'd like to help you grow and change. No condemnation. Wait. Listen. That's the message. Would you like to to see the benediction? That's the last slide. It's my blessing over you. Once again, it's from Uncle Paul. Now may God 
the inspiration of and fountain of hope fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Hope, peace, yours for the taking. Thank you so much for coming today. Your Heavenly Father loves you so much. He's crazy about you and can't wait to give you all this. Amen? Amen. Then came the morning that sealed the promise You everybody began to breathe out of the silence, the rolling light. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.